to Interviews. Hi, I'm your host, Sophia Negron, a former professional dancer turned professional photographer. Here's where I interview former professional artists that have moved on to a new career and learn about their stories of discovery, transition, passion, and resilience. My hope is that you will feel inspired to embrace your creativity, see the value in it, and let it color the rest of your endeavors. So, what will be your act two? Hi, I am Sophia Negron with Act Two Interviews, and today I am interviewing Jessica Thomas, who is a former professional ballet dancer, and now she is a health and fitness coach and the owner of Ignite Health Solutions, which offers virtual HIIT classes, small outdoor group trainings, and nutrition coaching. So welcome, Jessica. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So we were just chatting about the fact that we knew each other way back (laughs) from Boston Ballet Summer Program. When did you start dancing? Was I started dancing around four years old. (laughs) Um, My mom and my grandmother took me to see the Nutcracker, and that was kind of it. I didn't stop talking about ballet. I didn't stop hounding my mom to get me into classes. Um, So I loved it right away. And when did you decide that you wanted to be a professional? I mean, from... The very beginning, I said, you know, like many little girls, I was like, I'm going to be a professional ballerina when I grow up. And I never really faltered in that. But I think like as I continued and then started um, broadening like my exposure to the dance world and going to some of these summer programs, that's when it started to become a little bit more real because I was, you know, meeting people outside of my schools that I was attending but I I never really faltered from being a little kid. I think as ballet dancers, we have to focus since the age of five because it's really hard if you try to get in much later unless you're, you know, born with the feet and legs and body (laughs) (laughs) and flexibility. (laughs) You mentioned that you finished your high school career with Pittsburgh Ballet. When you were in high school and and kind of looking at what you wanted to do, was that a goal of yours to do it in high school or did the offer come up and you took it? The offer definitely came up. I, I mean, I think when I look back that I had, I was pretty balanced as far as what my life looked like compared to some other friends who I know like started at their freshman year at SAB in New York and and it became very much all about ballet. So I had, you know, a pretty normal high school experience with friends and outings on the weekends, but then I was still going to ballet, you know, four days a week, spending Saturdays and Sundays in the studio. Um, and So I had kind of these two things going on and then I would go away to the summer programs um, for, you know, when I was in high school, it was, it became, you know, four to six weeks of the summer, but I never really thought about leaving home early to kind of take my training to the next level. And then I went to an audition for a summer program um, 
and met David Holliday, who at the time was uh, running the Pittsburgh Valley Theater School. I went to the summer program. And then at the end, he was like, you know, you really need to study full time. Come here. This is going to be how you make this your career um, to kind of intensify your training. And, you know, and he offered me a spot. But he was like, I don't really think you want to do this. <laughs> I was like, oh, Okay. Wow. Yeah, I know. And so, um, and so I talked to my parents. Now the story gets a little, there's some, you know, we disagree on how the story went. My mom will say, I told her that I was moving to Pittsburgh (laughs) to go to school and study. And I remember it that we had a family meeting and discussed it. So (laughs) I'm not sure (laughs) which is the real story, but, um, my parents supported me the whole time and then um, agreed to send me to Pittsburgh uh, for that senior year of high school. Wow. 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 And, and he, so why did he ever tell you why he thought you didn't want to do it? Or was it that he didn't want to stay there and train or did he, was he talking about you didn't want to become a professional dancer? I think it was, was I willing to dedicate myself enough to do what it really took? And he wasn't sure if I was, he, you know, had, we had met at different regional festivals and he had been seeing my progression, um, over the years. And I think he just wasn't sure quite what to make about my commitment. Um, so, and, and maybe he was kind of testing the water and prompting me to be like, well, I'll show you that I want to do this. Yeah. So, yeah. Which something with the dance world, I think so many teachers do that. They do various pushing to see if you're going to step up and sometimes it can be good, but I feel like a lot of times it's not so great. (laughs) So I, I always wonder what, what the answer is. And, you know, with all these Zoom classes, I get to hear all of my daughter's dance classes and her teacher, one of her teachers was talking about like, he is really conscious about what he says to the dancers because so much of what he heard growing up was negative, um, what's the word, negative reinforcement, like, you know, negative challenges as opposed to you can do this. It's like, I don't think you can do this and prove it to me you know? Mm -hmm. And so he really wants to encourage them to prove that they can do this, but in a positive way, which I think is, is good. And, and maybe things are starting to change from when we were, (laughs) we were dancing. (laughs) I'm really hopeful, honestly. I, I really am hoping because, you know, at the end of the day, dancers are amazing both athletes and artists, they're very special individuals and very talented. And so hopefully we're coming into an era where they're really respected and treated appropriately. Um, Cause I totally believe that that is the best way to pull out the best of people instead of, you know, putting that negative, the negative reinforcement, as you said. So I would agree with you on that. But it was, it was a different, it was a different time when we were going through, uh, coming up in ballet. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, 
And so you were at Pittsburgh. And then did you stay with the company? What was your trajectory after that? Yep. So I finished my high school. Um, I graduated from Shenley High School in Pittsburgh. And then that year, my senior year, I auditioned all over the country. Um, um, was it that year? No, I think after that year, I actually came to Pennsylvania Ballet Summer Program, and I was going to go into Pittsburgh's graduate program. Okay. So I went to Pennsylvania Ballet Summer Program, came back, and then the Pens- Pittsburgh Ballet Theater was doing Jewels, which is a balancing ballet with a really huge corps de ballet. And so mm-hmm. we, they needed us, they needed to hire additional dancers. So they hired some apprentices out of Pittsburgh Ballet Theater. And so that was kind of how I got my first contract through the school and then into Pittsburgh Valley Theater. Okay. And then somehow you ended up at Pennsylvania. I did. So a year, uh, that contract ended after a year, a new director was coming in. Um, Patricia was retiring. And then that was the year I did that crazy audition tour. So in ballet, you can like, you know, fly all over the country. There's a season in the spring and companies are holding open auditions and you can go. Um, and I really, you know, did maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 auditions, you know, and you're trying, you know, companies, you're just trying to get a contract. Pennsylvania Ballets was held in New York and it was kind of, you know, I was, even though Pittsburgh was, um, you know, we did Balanchine rep, it wasn't necessarily a Balanchine um, style that we focused on in class. Um, So I just kind of like went for it, exaggerated my movements, had a lot of fun in the audition and then um, moved through the audition. I was uh, Sandra Jennings was setting a ballet at the time at Pittsburgh Valley theater. So she was in the room and I just remember I was like, okay, like, you know, kept moving through the room. So is, you know, ballet, some of the things that you're seeing in movies for people listening, you know, you see the numbers on the chest and the girls in the room, like that really happens. I think (laughs) I still have my number from that audition. Um, And so after going through that audition, Pennsylvania Ballet ended up offering me an apprentice contract and I came to Philadelphia. Nice. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in this area. So it was wild. I was like auditioning all over the country and ended up coming to the company that I grew up watching. We would, I was in the Reading area in a little bit West of here. And so we would come to Pennsylvania ballet for, to see the professional shows. So it was pretty crazy and surreal to end up here and also great to be near my family. Yeah. You just came full circle from that little girl at four years old that was like, I want to be a ballet dancer. I know. And there you are. (laughs) I know. Yeah. It was pretty surreal. Those those audition seasons. And I, I would do the audition season in New York. Okay. Because I had moved here actually as, because I had been offered, I had gone to Ballet Hispanico's summer program. And so they had offered for me to stay Um, and so I went and did all of those auditions in New York, which was nice because everybody came here. Yeah. Of course you're dealing with, you know, the best of the best. So you're standing in there, numbers dropping, you know, and it's like, you know, and just 
going, you know, going to SAB, going to David Howard, going to step, like going everywhere to take those auditions. And then, you know, a few, a few times companies were like, Oh, you know, could you come and, and take another class with the company? So I would do that. And then they were like, "Ah, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's tough to go through all that. I mean, you, you get, you know, maybe one yes or one maybe out of a whole season. So it's just over and over. You're putting yourself out there and, you know, constantly being told, no, you're not the right fit or just not, no really explanation, just not making it through the cut. So. Yeah. 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 And I had, I mean, I had one friend that one year that I like really pushed, um, one of my friends kept getting told either, either she was too short, which I was like, you got it. You know, I, for me, it was like, okay, let's pick the company. You know, you went to all the auditions, but you knew which companies were for short people. <laughs> you know, Cause I'm only five, three. She was like five feet. And so it was like, we love your dancing. You're just too short. You know, another friend was like, if you could lose 10 pounds, we would take you, you know, it's like, and another friend, I mean, I think she got offered like everything and I, we wow. were just like, okay, what are you going to take? And she didn't end up taking any of the ballet contracts. She actually ended up going to Hubbard street and, oh, wow. you know, taking the more contemporary route. And she actually kind of just retired partly because wow. they were on hiatus, you know, cause she was dancing in, she's dancing in the MJ show in Vegas. Okay. So you know, since they closed down, they were like, yeah, you know, we're not going to renew the contract. Nobody, you know, we don't know when we're coming back, but you know, you're an old lady now. (laughs) That's a really long career. I mean, it is. I mean, she's really, really lucky. Yeah. Really lucky that she had such a long career. And the thing was, is she said, you know, I feel stronger than most of the young dancers. Mm. And I think it was the training that she had because so many dancers now are so interested in just, you know, legs over here and, mm-hmm. you know, getting your body to do things that they, they get injured much sooner. Wow. Than I think we did, but. Wow. So you're dancing in Pennsylvania ballet, yes. you know, doing, doing what you always wanted to do. And what, what happened? How did you end up here? Okay. <laughs> when ignite. Sure. Um, so my all throughout my career, I definitely um, battled with my weight. Um, it was honestly before I even ended up in Pittsburgh. It was a conversation um, everywhere I went. You know that, like you were saying about your friend, if you could just lose ten pounds. So it was constant, um, pretty constant from the time I was in high school, like fourteen, fifteen, mm-hmm. um, all the way through, and then at the um, Finally, at the end of my contract with Pennsylvania Valley, it was it was definitely a big uh, topic of conversation. Um, and that started to wear on me. You know, it really took its toll after all those years. Um, I internalized that. All, you know, it's hard not to. And you're so young at the time. Um, and so by the end, Pennsylvania Valley did not rehire my contract um, in large part due to weight. Um, and I was just at that point, I realized I had so much that I was bringing with me to, 
anywhere I went, if I would go and re-audition again, I would bring all of that with me. And I was in such a bad place personally um, that I just realized, like, I really can't do this anymore. I couldn't get myself to do all of the things that were making it necessary to, like, get real skinny like that. Um, And then I also started to really look at, like, we're, you know, it's interesting that we were talking about before, look at how the dancers were all being treated And that just really started to not sit well with me. Like I just really realized um, how talented my peers were. And just, I didn't feel like the, you know, how we were treated was appropriate. So, and, and that was kind of, you know, that really was from my experience, how, how it was in the ballet world at the time. So it didn't really matter where I went, I was going to have some of the same issues. So I, so I um, stopped dancing. I didn't, go on to do another round of auditions or anything. Um, and then I had to find my way. I had art. I have, so my journey, it, it, it'll, it takes many turns. So I was always interested in fashion. That was my backup. If I didn't get into a ballet company, I was going to pursue fashion design. Um, so I ended up after like a year or two after ballet, um, I went to, I didn't have a portfolio, Um, so I ended up going to community college to do some fine art classes. I went to, um, more college of art and design for fashion design. Um, and then I took a year off. My husband, um, at the time was starting his photography business on his own. So I took a year to help him build his business, realized I really liked strategy, like kind of business strategy. And I was like, Oh, I think instead of fashion, I could go into merchandising. So then I went to Drexel and I got my design and merchandising degree at Drexel. Okay. Um, and then through their co-op program, I was, I did my co-op with destination maternity, which is a maternity clothing company in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And after graduation, they had an opening. So I went to work for them. Ah, Okay. So you're working in fashion, doing mm-hmm. merchandising, and now you are a fitness trainer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep going. So um, I so I worked actually in a corporate environment as a merchandiser for eight years. Okay. I worked first for Destination, and then I went to Catherine's Plus Sizes, um, which was at the time in Ben Salem. They're kind of a sister brand to Lane Bryant. Okay, and I worked there, and. At, at the end of Catherine's, like, you know, a, a few different circumstances happened where I was just, I ended up in a really, you know, tough spot. I was personally, I was struggling yeah. and, um, I realized like I didn't have an outlet for stress. I what I had stopped after my children. I had stopped working out. I was really like focused on my career and spending really long hours at the office. And I just, I didn't have that, that needed outlet that we all need. And I was carrying all of those kind of self image and critical self talk. All of that still was affecting me from ballet. And so I saw this ad for a new you challenge from a gym, a CrossFit gym um, in Philadelphia. And I, and I was like, I think I'm going to like, it just piqued my interest. Um, And my husband was like, I really think, it's a good idea, like that you need some of that, you need some stress relief and, um, and also to be active because being active and physical was such a huge part of my life. Yeah. So, um, I started CrossFit 
and just loved it. I just loved it from the second I started. I felt great. Um, and I became a member there and it really helped me in a big way. It really did provide the stress relief physically. I felt better. So my mood was lifted. I started feeling strength and that helped just my overall outlook on and self-confidence because I was feeling strong internally. I'd never focused on strength. It was always about how it looked on the outside, how I looked and how others saw me on the outside. But now it was like, Oh, this feeling strong and having performance goals instead of physical goals was life changing for me. And, uh, and so I, I mean, I loved it. I did it for, um, about a year. Then the gym, um, was looking for coaches and they offered kind of like, um, what they call it, but it was basically like a free course to learn the inner workings of the gym and kind of the why for CrossFit. So I did that. The gym owner was like, why, why are you interested? I was like, well, I love what this is doing for me. And I would, maybe I would love to have a youth gym. I would love to do this for kids. And so he was like, all right, well, great. We'll have you in the class. And then by the end of like, I think it was maybe six weeks, I was, I loved it. And he said, you know, we would love to have you build your program here. Oh, nice. So I thought that was awesome, but I was still working in the corporate environment and was trying to think about, you know, a a new career versus my current career, my current salary. And I'm like, I just couldn't figure out how to make that leap. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, thank you, but thank you so much for the offer. But I really, I'm not ready to leave my corporate job. Um, and then I think two weeks later, Catherine's announced that they were relocating to Ohio, to Columbus. And I was <laughs> like, I looked at my husband, I'm like, are we moving to Columbus? He, and so we both decided, no, Columbus was not happening. Um, <laughs> and then I'm like, I think this is like the universe telling me that I should go for it. Yeah. Um, and so I did <laughs> decided to <laughs> shift gears. Um, so it was, it was pretty crazy. I called him back. I was like, you're not going to believe this, but my company is relocating. We're not going to go. And I think I'm going to take you up on that offer. So I started, um, like taking the necessary courses to get my certifications, both for youth and for adults. So I could coach, um, and be insured and, uh, and then started trying to build a business. Wow. So how long, So did you start, you started that program with youth? I did. And how long ago was that? Or how long has that been going on? The program is now about three and a half years old, which is wild that so much time has gone by. Um, I did build the youth program pretty much from scratch um, and started doing personal training and coaching group CrossFit classes for adults as a way to supplement my income. Yeah. Um, because the program, like, you know, I think I had two or three kids yeah. <laughs> for my first few months. Um, and so, so it just continued to build from there. I got, you know, re- was connected with some great people along the way who showed me and guided me on how to build a youth program. Um, eventually I ended up being offered the opportunity to do the nutrition program at the gym. So that was also awesome because it tied in 
you know, the element of food and using food as fuel and not in a like calorie restrictive speed way, but in a, like, here's how you fuel your body and give it the nutrients that it needs to perform well, to be healthy. So it's a very habit-based approach to nutrition, which was great. So, so everything kind of has come together along the way. And then, um, just kind of building up to now where I'm starting my own, my own brand. Yeah. Wow. I, there's something about what you said about, you know, being, building yourself to be powerful and strong as opposed to what you look like on the outside, which I mean, dance, it is so much about feeling things, but it is really about lines and, doing everything outward. Mm-hmm. So, and it's something that I've been trying to help my daughter with because of course, you know, she's always like, Oh, I'm fat. And I'm like, will you shut up? You are not. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And she's, you know, Oh, I look terrible. I don't have this. I don't have that. And you know, and it's like all these things that she doesn't have. And I'm like, but look at the things you do have. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, these are your strengths. And like, look at it instead of like, oh, I'm not getting my leg up high enough or, you know, my turn. I didn't get four turns. I only got two or whatever it is. And like, play with it. Like, feel how it is to like, you know, stand over here and like, oh, I didn't quite get that turn. What is that? What does that mean? Like shifting, mm-hmm. you know, what it's more play than worried so much about what everybody else thinks and what everything else looks like, right? you know, how does it feel? And, you know, after I had, I mean, I saw all of my friends that dealt with weight and I was like skin and bones. I was like one of those kids that never had to worry about that. My thing was feet. I had the worst feet. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, you have terrible feet, you know? So we all had our cross right there. <laughs> you know, but so I was always really tiny, but after I stopped dancing and had my daughter, I suddenly like weighed, you know, 20 pounds more than I ever had. And I was like, Oh my God. And I would go to the gym and I would work out and nothing was happening. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and no matter what I did, it didn't work, mm-hmm. you know, and I just kept gaining weight and, or just kind of staying at this higher weight. And I think it was in like 2014 when I started getting burned out with wedding photography that I was like, you know, I really miss being active and not, and not worrying about so much about like weight, but just being active because it feels good. Right. And, and that shift of like, it feels good was I think the impetus that kind of shifted because I had lost a lot of weight. I gained it all back now, but <laughs> with quarantine, but you know, yeah. we, we're dealing. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that shift, that long story was really, I think that shift in mindset of going from using food as fuel and f- how you feel and how, how that physical exercise makes you feel as opposed to that restriction of, Oh my God, you know, I need to lose 25 pounds tomorrow. Right. Tomorrow. I know (laughs) speed is such a, 
a thing right now. You know, fad diets, it's all about quick results. Yeah. Um, and really, if you can slow that down, you build those lasting habits. You know, it, at the end of the day, you're looking for something you can really hang on to that just becomes a habit. It doesn't feel so foreign or restrictive that you're like, I can't do it. And then I always, I'm trying to get my clients like, come back. How does it feel? How do you feel during your day? How do you feel during your workouts? Were you fueled? Could you get through the workout? And that really helped me because I was not bottling with my body. Now I was figuring out how to help it do this thing that I wanted. Like I really wanted to and was enjoying the physical fitness for CrossFit. I was just loving all of the strength I was finding. And it was like, oh, if I eat better food, I'm going to feel better in the class. Yeah. You know, and even still today, if I have a night where I have like, you know, wings and some drinks that night, the next morning, I'm like, wow, I am like glued to the floor. My legs feel like lead. And it's like, well, no kidding. You didn't put great food in your body. Yeah. <laughs> you give it the right fuel. Um, and you're just, you know, that's, that's what you get kind of thing. So it, it helped me develop a different relationship with food. Um, and now I just hope, you know, I found all these positive things through CrossFit and being strong, strength and conditioning training and nutrition that it's like, I want to pass that on. And I think that's where like the focus, it just continues to really get more clear is, you know, if we can be positive, less critical about ourselves, you know, work and feel good, that that's how we're all going to, that's a great place to be anyway, to move yeah. forward, like feeling good, feeling empowered. Um, and confidence um, finding comes more from how you feel than how you look. And the yeah. confidence at the end of the day is what a lot of people, when they're coming there for weight loss, when you drill down to it, we're all just looking to like feel good in our own skin, feel good walking yeah. around what we're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. It's and really do you, do you find, um, with these kids, so it's been three years, what, what shifts have you seen in the kids? Mm. Cause you're getting to start, you know, know, when they're young and we haven't developed all of our crazy self-confidence issues. Yeah. So it's so different. I work with, um, right now my program, I think my youngest is six. Okay. Um, and then my oldest is 17. So they're very different with the little ones. I'm just excited to show them a new way to move, um, and show them that fitness can be fun. I'm starting, I want to set that tone early on. Like, yeah. you know, I also learned, I cannot expect them to be like little robots standing, you know, everywhere I want them on the floor doing exactly what I, you know, what I'm asking them, letting them have some freedom, enjoy moving and being in the space. And that with much like ballet, you know, it, that's where the connection, it felt very familiar because we're talking about movement patterns, establishing good movement patterns with kids really helps them with their athleticism. So it can, whatever they decide to do after that can just build, but I'm comfortable looking at all different kinds of bodies and helping them, helping people move better. Yeah. Um, and then with teens, I mean, it really varies. You know, I'll get athletes in who are looking to just build strength. And then I'll get some families who maybe have overweight teens, not involved in any athletics, really sedentary. And, you know, the parents come to me because they really don't know what to do. 
They, yeah. they're, they want to help their kids. They know that their children aren't healthy, um, but, they, but they're not sure. So to see those kids, you know, one of the beautiful things about CrossFit and weightlifting specifically is it, you don't have to be fit to lift weights. So these children who don't feel like they can do anything or the teens can come in and I can teach them how to pick up a barbell and to see their face for the first time, like lift a barbell and realize that they're capable and they're actually good at it is like, gives me chills still. Like I can, and I have like faces and smiles and eyes twinkling, like I, in my memory of these kids who are like, Oh, I can do this. And it, and that kind of self-belief can also snowball in a really positive way. So it's, it's pretty awesome, um, to work with kids and I'm really, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Wow. Now you, you touched upon like movement patterns and, and similarities to dance. Where do you find are there other places that you find your dance background helps you now with, you know, doing your business and doing all of the health and fitness? With the, well, yeah, I think in a big way and something else that I really want to do with the program that, you know, for, for everything with ballet, I really did realize that I could set this, what seemed almost unattainable goal but that mm-hmm. if I worked really hard, I could make it happen. And I think giving um, even adults, adults and kids, an opportunity to set a goal and then show them how to work hard. Sometimes you have to make sacrifices, but if you put in the work, um, you can move towards that goal. So I think ballet gave me that belief that that kind of goal setting and work is possible. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's something else that I bring into my program to really give kids the opportunity to like dreams. I ask them like, okay, I just did it with my, my kids this weekend. All right. What are our goals for April? What do we want to work on? Write it on a board, show me what you want to do. And then we're going to come back and we're going to work towards that because it's very measurable. So yeah. it, it sets that up. Yeah. And that, I mean, the goal thing for any, for anybody works. And then, you know, to have a business, you do need to be able to sit down and write out your goals and take steps Mm -hmm. towards that and measure, measure all of that. So my current, (laughs) I work with some different business coaches and my current, one of my current coaches is like, I have a tendency to, to think five to 10 years down the road. And he was like, let's pull it back and look at the next like (laughs) three to six months. (laughs) because <laughs> so, <laughs> I can I can get like you know I'm a dreamer I can think yeah. like oh here's how it's gonna be and but we're trying to like pull it back and map out the short term so which <laughs> has been pretty funny so where do you want to be in five years I know well <laughs> do right you want now, to share that yeah I mean for sure I definitely still see myself having um like a facility a gym for kids um or at this point maybe a family facility so a place where kids can come and learn and get strong maybe you know families can come I get a lot of requests actually for people who want to work out with their kids and we don't offer that right now I'm still coaching I'm splitting my time with the CrossFit gym where I coach the youth program and then with my own program, which right now is mostly adults. 
Um, so I see it leading towards, you know, a facility of some kind, um, down the road. Now, do you think, had you had something like this when you were dancing that it could have changed anything or, or do you think that it would change, it would help kids now that are coming in the dance world? I think, um, understanding what I know now about nutrition, uh, I think definitely could have really helped. Um, I think during that time I did every bad cabbage soup diet, you know, anything along the way, trying to figure it out, but without real knowledge-based or science-based guidance. Mm -hmm. And, and I think possibly if it were set up from the very beginning. I mean, I, my parents, we were definitely provided balanced meals and I, we always had fruits and vegetables available, always a protein source for dinner. But at the time it was a little different too with food, fat, fat diets were out there. We, and, and my parents didn't know they were, you know, trying to help me achieve this goal, lose weight. Um, and so they didn't necessarily discourage some of the dieting. Right. I I would hope with some knowledge, um, about macronutrients and things like that. I, I feel like it could have changed things. Mm -hmm. Um, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I do notice nowadays they are, the dance world especially is, is, is moving in a direction of, of better nutrition and trying to get the dancers to be, you know, to eat properly mm-hmm. and, and for their body. Do you, and I guess they also are kind of talking about strength as opposed to, you know, fitting into this mold. Do you, do you think the work that you're doing now with you know, all of the strength providing and the goal setting, like how did, how would that help dancers nowadays? Um, well, from, even from an injury prevention standpoint, I mean, if I think back, we were working out a little bit, like, so at Pennsylvania Valley, we had a relationship with a gym in the area, so we could go and do a little bit of light strength training. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I remember doing that and definitely yoga, which was great for, um, keeping our muscles supple and building strength in it, like an elongating way. Yeah. Um, and working with the physical therapy team. I mean, I can't, (laughs) now it's like to have the access to a physical therapist on call. It sounds like amazing. So I feel like we had some, um, uh, access to those things, um, in a strength training way. Um, and so, and I was probably doing that all throughout, um, a little bit, like just going with my mom to different classes. And, um, I, I mean, I think depends on how much, if the students, especially working your core, a lot of people do Pilates, um, which is great for building that center and strength. So something outside, um, 
seems to be really beneficial to like build your core, especially core. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, for women, not necessarily that you need it for ballet, um, but finding upper body strength, uh, made me feel much more balanced because my legs were always so strong, but I had no upper body strength at all. So there was something about like adding strength, total strength that um, felt really good and new because I had, like I said, you know, we had powerful, powerful muscular legs. Um, It feels nice to be head to toe strong. Yeah. I think the dance world is sort of moving in that direction of trying with the Pilates and trying to kind of build a total dancer, which I find it's, kids now are dealing with like the whole social media thing. So I notice like my daughter will sit and watch dancers on social and then she'll just be like, Oh, I'm terrible. And it's like, everyone is showing you the best. And I was like, and so I do find that kids are really trying to be, you know, push their bodies to the extreme so that they can get this, you know, leg over here or the turns or, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I, so I do worry whether they're, they're being trained well in that to keep themselves from not getting injured, but also, you know, everyone's trying to do such crazy things that kids I think are, are trying to do that instead of really figuring out who they are as dancers and the artistry of it. Right. Well, and I think that I see that translate into regular non-dancer people as well. So with social media, the, and and I'm on social media. So I run a lot of my business on through social media and like to a certain degree, you are trying to generate likes and algorithms and likes and comments help you get more visibility. And so those people are to your point, like they're, not going to put up their blooper blooper reel. Probably they're putting up those big flashy moments. But if you're a kid and you're scrolling through and all you're seeing are these outrageous, extreme, amazing one shot takes, maybe it can start to influence you. Same thing with adults that I work with and just all of us, you know, walking around, we're seeing people in the way they want to be seen. Mm -hmm. So the most beautiful, happy pictures of the family in life, um, best lighting, good filter, all those things, but that's crafted and we're all, you know, we all do that to some degree. Yeah. And um, that's where like to start to realize, like, it's not, we put less emphasis on what other people have or how other things look, feel a little more grateful, a little more grounded and like feel internally strong. Um, but that's really hard because that's not like what you're saying about Facebook and social media. That's not, that's life today. Constantly yeah. getting though that input yeah. and comparison to other people. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. And so I can see how for a young dancer, especially you're fighting with the artistry, feeling that like internal presence, how to engage an audience, but all you're seeing are these flashy tricks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least, you know, I remember going to auditions and it was just the 60 other people in the room and, you know, the girls that would like throw their legs up and you're like, okay. (laughs) I know. 
and then you didn't have to see it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't. It's got to be pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. So how one thing that I found, it took me a long time to find photography when I was done. And I mean, even now it's like, there's so many things I want to do. Am I going to stay a photographer? So I like the journey from dancing to fashion to finding the fitness. How did you, how did you feel during all of those transitions? What was that? What was that like? Well, the transition from ballet into fashion, I mean, I actually felt really blessed that I had something else that I was passionate about because my, that wasn't always the case with my, you know, peers, my coworkers at the ballet, when they started retiring, not everyone knew what the next phase was going to be. And that can be really, you can make you feel lost because you've dedicated your whole life to something. And then those skills may or may not translate into your next phase. So I was lucky. I felt lucky that I could move into what I, the next, which was the fashion industry at the time. So that felt really good. And then moving into corporate, it just, you know, it's interesting that things might not always be exactly, you know, the way you imagine them to be. So then um, to actually be working inside of a corporate culture And what that entails was unique. And there are benefits, you know, there are definite benefits to working in bigger companies and some, and security in that for sure. Um, And then, you know, for me, it was to make a change into something that was again, more tied to, was I using my strengths and how could I really make more of an impact than what I was currently doing? But I had to shift what my priorities were. And for us, you know, that was a little scary because I took away our financial security, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a big move, a big move. You know, I was, um, the, I was the breadwinner, um, with the steady paycheck and the health insurance. And I was kind of putting that to the side to follow a passion again, but now it had more responsibility because I had two young children and a husband and a a life. Um, so we, we had to reprioritize and really scale back. Um, and I was, what really helped there was just feeling really grateful instead of looking around and wanting more, the bigger house, the nicer car, the nicer shoes, and just coming to a place of gratitude of what Mm -hmm. I currently have. And I feel like, and, and then communicating that and encouraging that within my family too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that, that was a big shift to go from the professional world to health and fitness. Um, and you know, it's still, it's still a conversation. I mean, the world now has changed and we're all feeling financial insecurity, (laughs) um, especially (laughs) if you're an independent contractor. So, um, but yeah, that was that was definitely challenging. So I was working towards something that I was really passionate about, but, you know, making sacrifices in other places. Yeah. Yeah. Which goes to when you said dance taught you, you know, goals and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So I see how it carries through. Right. You know, I mean, it was interesting. I was, 
I was talking to, or I was listening to the episode actually that aired today and the woman <clears throat> was an actress and she became a yoga teacher and owns her own studio. And she was like, you know, I just didn't spend money I didn't have. And so I started the studio and I did everything myself. You know, I was cleaning the toilets and teaching the classes and, you know, mm-hmm. cleaning up the studio. And, and she's like, you know, being an artist kind of taught me that, of being able to kind of make the dollars stretch. And- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and be a little bit more financially responsible or, you know, just be able to take those sacrifices and do what you have to do to get what you want. Right. It felt gritty at the time, didn't it? Like we were, it kind of, but now it feels different as an adult. (laughs) It does. Yes. (laughs) I mean, although, you know, with, with a five-year contract or I guess every year you you don't know if you're going to get renewed so there is that instability but I would think it was a little bit easier because you did have a dance contract and you weren't having to do audition after audition after audition or I guess you'd kind of audition in the company because you have to get parts and yeah during my five years there I mean um it never actually really felt like a sure thing Mm. because the conversation was, there was maybe one or two years where it didn't, the conversation didn't happen about like, you know, what is your body going to look like next year? And you know, how are you, what's going on? Um, we need you to do this. And so it it never really felt totally secure. Mm. It always felt like it could, you know, change. year to year yeah yeah which yeah I mean as an artist unfortunately I think that's kind of how it is you know but even as a business owner you never know I mean this year definitely taught us no it's gonna happen so true so is there anything that you really like with all of these career shifts you know as, as artists, I think a lot of us feel like, what are, what are we going to do next? And do we have any skills, you know? And, and for me, like, I, I always felt like, you know, everything I learned in dance was transferable to whatever I was doing. And, you know, so many dancers, like, I don't know what to do. I'm not skilled in anything. I don't know how to do anything. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, how to do so much. Mm -hmm. So what did you, what have you found kind of carried through that you're like, Oh, if I didn't dance, you know, dance taught me this. (laughs) Oh, dance taught me determination for sure. Like just how to see something through work hard sacrifice, which we've been talking about. I think that was kind of, that was the biggest thing, how to work, how to work towards something. Um, you know, you can't just say like, Oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z. Like you're going to have to learn and study and figure out how to make it happen. But if you do those things, like follow the course, you know, you have a much better chance of at at getting to where you think you want to go. Yeah. So that like determination and focus, I think is one of the things that I really took away that helped me in each (laughs) professional endeavor 
um, you know, and getting through school and all that. So it definitely helped in a big way that was instilled in us, you know, that like keep coming, be able to take no's, be able to take, so be able to take some criticism, you know, you, and be able to be resilient, um, be resilient in what you're doing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think resilience is, is a key factor in, in all of that. Because, I mean, the things that, you know, the no's, you get your no more than yes. And, you know, sure. what we've already talked about, you know, what you had to deal with. And, you know, it's so many dancers, you know, have to deal with that. And so many performers, I think, you know, because because we are the instrument. Right. So, you know, it's 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 hard to separate that, even if it's, you know, one, one person I talked to, she said, you know what, just because someone says no, it's not saying anything about you. You just say, okay, fine. And you move on. And I, and and it's hard when you are the actual instrument and they're like, yeah. And they don't tell you why, you know, it could be that, you know, you're too tall. Or you're not going to fit into the costume that they, you know, need to fill, which actually I I read an article the other day. They were talking about, like, as the dancers are coming back, everybody's body has shifted. And, like, is everyone going to fit into the costume? Right. (laughs) I can imagine. Thank God we don't have to deal with that now. I know. I know. (laughs) I had some flashbacks. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> right. And just, you know, depending on what, when you're working for another company or you're, um, you know, I would say now focusing on authenticity, you know, on really believing in what you're doing and who you are is really important that when, when you're working for other people and they have an aesthetic or a look or, you know, a certain way of doing something, you have to maybe find how to bring yourself into it. I don't know how easy that is, you know, yeah. Yeah. Even how easy that would be today, even though things are, are like we said, kind of shifting hopefully towards the positive and, and being more about embracing the individual instead of like a collective look. Yeah. Um, the more I read that's being talked about more. And I just, I don't know if at ground level, if that's really real. Yeah. You hope so. Yeah. I guess time will tell, mm-hmm. you know, I think, Yeah. I mean, I think people are getting different perspectives and kind of realizing what what's important, what they like, what they don't like. You know, I mean, I see some people doing great things during this quarantine that I'm like, how did you have the energy to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, if you're if you're working physically and you're really enjoying it, then you know, you can do a lot, right. I think. So, yeah, I appreciate this. I loved hearing your journey and catching up (laughs) because when we were so young, we're in the thick of it. And then when I saw you at Pennsylvania Ballet, it was like, oh, hey, I know you. Bye. Get to connect. I know. Glad that I got to learn a little more about your journey. One thing, though, we always we're talking about all these things. What's something that that no one knows about you. Something that, you know, people don't know it would be surprised. Oh, my surprise. <laughs> um, I actually hate karaoke. 
And which I think might surprise some people because I can be very like animated. I'm comfortable performing in front of a crowd normally, like for ballet. I coach in front of people. So I talk in front of people all day, do videos online, but there is something about singing. (laughs) It's a vulnerability. I don't know. Singing. I can sing in my car at the top of my lungs, but in front of a group of my best friends at a bar, I can't do it. I just supposed to be like really bad. (laughs) I can't. I know. I, I, I really struggle with it. And I love watching other people do it. I'm like, that's cool. But it's, and I can make myself do it, but it's not enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel the same way. And I don't know whether it's like the performer in us, like we want to do well, <laughs> not do something well. Like, eh. Wait, do you like karaoke? No. No. <laughs> We've I also can been do quiet. the same thing. I can go with friends and have a great time watching everyone else. And they can be as bad as they right. want to be, and I will not judge them. No, nope. but <laughs> I know. Getting up there, yeah, I hear you. I feel it. Well, we'll have to we'll have to figure out, you know, something with all those building self confidence in your yeah. ignite house solutions. I know. Well, find a way to do karaoke. <laughs> I know. I'm not sure. <laughs> Oh, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. I really appreciated I really it. Appreciate it. This was great. Thank you. And I hope the rest of your day is just as fun as I had talking with you. Thanks so much, Sophia. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Act Two Interviews. I'm your host, Sophia Negrone. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share with all your friends. Have a great day. Thank you.